This episode of the Productivityist Podcast is brought to you by Gantt Pro. Gantt Pro is an interactive online project management tool for people who love planning with timelines and Gantt charts. I've been giving Gantt charts a go for the past little while, and I'm using Gantt Pro to do it. You can too. I will have more about Gantt Pro during this episode of the podcast, but for now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Productivities Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show, I have a self-described efficiency monster joining me. That's right. Never had one of those before, but today I have one, and it's Justin Kerr. Justin is the author of the Rogue Corporate Playbooks, How to Write an Email and How to Be a Boss. He's also the mouthpiece of the Mr. Corpo podcast and has been the youngest senior executive of some of the world's biggest apparel companies, uh, running billion-dollar businesses while finding time to write 14 books. I'm having problems writing just one at this point in time. He's also been able to tour the country with his rock band and keep 100,000 bees on his roof. That's right, he beekeeps. Right now, he's the president of Imprint Projects in New York City, and we had a great time chatting about his latest book, which is How to Be Great at Your Job. And, uh, you know, I, I really wanted to get just on the show when I got his one sheet. And, you know, I get a lot of uh, podcast interview requests, but when I saw his, I'm like, this is somebody I can relate to. Because again, with my productivity parody past, I saw what he had to offer on that one sheet. I said, this is going to be interesting, especially since he talks about like communication. And it's it's interesting to hear him talk about communication. I don't want to spoil it, but his thoughts on communication probably different than anybody else's that I've talked to before on the show, not just this show, but any other podcast that I've hosted in the past. So I'm not going to leave you in suspense any longer. Let's just get to our conversation. Here's my chat with Justin Kerr here on the Productivityist Podcast. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome Justin Kerr to the Productivityist Podcast. Justin, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So the goal for this podcast is to not just make it good, but to make it great, because this is part of my job. And, and you know, I, I, that was, a, that was a very loaded segue, but, <laughs> but yeah, very personalized. I love it. <laughs> but your latest, your latest book is how to be great at your job. And people, I mean, again, we talked about this before we went on the air that there's some books that have just kind of, uh, maybe I wouldn't say flown under the radar. That's not the right, that's not the right phrasing, but, uh, there's a lot of business books that come out every year. And this is one that, that, uh, I didn't see coming. Um, and then all of a sudden you start, you know, when you're going through your RSS feed or your flipboard, you're looking online, all of a sudden you're seeing, you're seeing like, who, what's this book? What's this book? You know? And some people are like, Oh, is it good to great? No, 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 no. That's a totally different book. This is, this is how to be great. Get things done, get the credit, get ahead. So can you give a bit of background to our listeners who may not have heard of you about, you know, who you are and how this particular book, cause you've got a slew of others, which we'll link to, but how this particular book came to be. Yeah, Mike, thanks for the introduction. And, you know, I think it's a compliment or it's very accurate to say I'm flying under the radar. You know, I think um, it was very purposeful that, you know, I was I wanted to write a book about how to be great at your job while I was still in the job and doing great work. You know, a lot of business books are written by old white men that are uh, long past uh, their prime. And I wanted to do it while I was in the heat of battle. But that's probably a separate conversation. So, my name's Justin Kerr. Um, I am a longtime executive in the fashion retail space. I was running billion-dollar businesses by the age of 30. Um, I kind of ran up the flagpole at Gap, Old Navy, Uniqlo, Levi's, 
ended up running billion dollar businesses there and uh you know really was all about being super super efficient and my resume isn't about like the titles that i've had but it's more about the fact that i rose to these executive ranks never working past 5 p.m never working on the weekend never checking email after work and that's what i pride myself on i call myself an efficiency monster so for the listeners that don't know me i would want them to connect to me on the level of efficiency and get your work done, get paid as much as possible, be awesome at your job, and then get on with your life and do all the other things that are interesting. And whatever that is, going to the gym, drinking beer, keeping bees, riding your bike across the country or whatever it is, get on with your life and do all the other things. I want to talk about the term efficiency monster for a second here, because yeah. one of the one of the things that I think people, especially listeners of this podcast, know that I'm I'm I believe that efficiency and effectiveness come after intention and attention, and that's not to say at all that you haven't done that because you've set very clear boundaries and intentions, which have allowed you, and, and, and not only that, but you've got a way to pay attention to them because they are fairly, you know, some like never, never, you know, you're always done work you know, there's a boundary there. Never answer yeah. email officer. No, there's a boundary there. Very fixed, yeah. very, very, very uh, uh, rigid. But yet there's probably a lot of fluidity in and around what goes on, you know, outside of those hours. So can you talk to me about what you mean by efficiency monster in that? Because some people can be efficient, but they can be efficient about the wrong things, right? No, that's you're, you're right. I mean, I say efficiency monster because I also want to get across the point that it's a little bit scary. If you want to really be as efficient as possible. If you set these intentions of very tangible, I will leave the office by 5 p.m., then you've got to go about your day in a certain way. And I always say that people don't work late because they love what they're doing. People work late because they suck at writing emails. And, you know, you asked for like the origin story of the book. And this book that's called How to Be Great at Your Job originally was published under the title of How to Write an Email. And it really came down to, it's not about email. It could be a fax machine. It could be Slack. It's really about your method of communicating in the workplace. And my whole philosophy is efficiency through over communication. So most people think efficiency is the less words I use, the more efficient I'm being, the less information I give, the better I'm doing. But actually, I believe that over communicating, telling everyone a lot of updates is the way to be as efficient as possible. So hopefully that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. Now, again, this is you're rather unconventional in this space. And by the way, uh, I love how the book the book transitioned from a book about email to to how to be great at your job because I think a lot of people do. You're right. A lot of people get caught in that email trap. Well, you, yeah. I mean, it, you know, and I'm hyper practical, and so you know that title started out with like, let me teach people how to literally write an email, how to literally give a presentation, how to literally get promoted. But what I came to understand after I was out on tour, and I've been, you know, basically hustling this book for three years out of the trunk of my car and doing talks at every company, whether it's 500 people or five people, what I came to realize was there was a higher calling to what my philosophy was. And that was that efficiency through over communication. And that's where the book evolved and Chronicle picked it up and gave it national distribution. So all, all that said, when it comes to the, the new title of the book, you know, uh, what when it comes to that over communication, right? Like what, what are some of the processes that you've put in place that allow you to be more efficient through that 
process of over communication because that in and of itself might throw some people like wait a minute so you want me to what do you want me to do you want me to just you know be in front of everybody all that like what does that mean i i literally want you to double the amount of communication that you give to all your coworkers. And the, the reason I center on email, when I say email, every office is different, you use different tools, but email is still the single most important tool of communication in the workplace today. Right. And what I mean by what should I do, what should I over communicate, give the updates. Everyone talks themselves out of giving the small update because they say, I don't want to fill up the inbox. Oh, I don't have a lot of information to share. But even telling someone, hey, I'm on track to the deadline we already agreed to, even saying that sentence goes a long way to calming everyone down. And one of the things I like to point out, Mike, is there's code words in the workplace. So if your listeners are out there and they're like, I don't know what this means. Listen, if anyone ever comes up to you and says, how is it going? What they actually mean when they say, how's it going? What they actually mean is, I don't trust you. I don't think you're going to get the work done. So I'm over here trying to babysit and check in to make sure you're doing the work you said you would do. That's the code word of how's it going. And a lot of people go their whole careers without realizing that. So if people are saying that to you, that means you're not giving enough updates. Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. That it, And like you said, there are other ways to do it. Email may not be the way in your company that you do it. Maybe you use a task tool like Asana or something like that, where there's conversations and comments in there, which actually probably lowers the friction in some cases. But I guess you would have to, when, you, when you're looking at it, look at it from that, again, that personal standpoint of, okay, what does my company use? How do I, how do I, how do I over communicate in a way that works best for the company as a whole, as well as still allows me to, you know, do that thing of, of sharing updates and making sure that I can create those, uh, those, those, the lowering of, uh, of, of, uh, worry and such with yeah. your coworkers, right? No, yeah, that's right. And of course, every office is going to have a different system and templates and base camps and different things that you give updates. But my point is always be giving the updates because keep in mind, the people you work with are human beings. And a lot of us can lose sight of that. But when we get titles and VPs and assistants, but they're human beings, they get nervous, they have their own concerns, they're worried about their own boss, all of these different things. And so telling people what's going on is just going to lower the temperature a little bit. And one of the big things that I'm, I'm passionate about, you mentioned in the title of the book, it's about getting credit for your work. And one of the challenges is you every time you give an update, you get credit for that work. Now, every time my boss asks me how the project's going, I don't get credit for that work because their experience is I wouldn't have done it if they hadn't checked in on me. Right. And that's a big disconnect for people because a lot of people when I'm out on the road talking, people say, hey, I don't get credit for all the work I'm doing. I'm doing a good job. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But are you letting people know along the journey? It's not just the end product that's important. It's about everyone's journey of working with you. So there's a proactivity there. And that's the other thing oh, yeah. is hugely proactive is that you're by putting yourself in the driver's seat, which and you don't have control over everything that goes on. But this you definitely have control over. That's you're right. I mean, and the whole point for me is I want to wake up. and I want anyone to wake up not feeling like a victim. And look, we're all we all have a bad boss. I get it. We all love to talk trash on our boss. Like that's old news. Right. But I don't want to go home any days and feel like. I am suffering because of someone else or something that happened or priorities changed or they made me fill out the form three times. I want to go into every situation feeling like I can make this happen for myself. I'm in charge of my own promotion. I'm in charge of my own success. 
And that means needing to be proactive. And of course, there's people that are disappointed because they want, what's the secret? What's the trick? And there is no trick and there's no magic. It's very practical. It's like, give people regular updates and your life will get better. Like that, that applies to personal life or Mm -hmm. work life. So it's, it's really as simple as that. It's, you know, it's, it's, as, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about how my wife and I communicate uh, because uh, we, we both work as partners in the business, but we also have, you know, obviously we have another business that we're, we're managing called the household and our lives. And we're very clear about, you know, hey, business stuff happens inside of Slack and via our work emails, personal stuff happens inside of messaging and yeah. our personal emails. But the, the the disconnect can happen sometimes is that I'm very much a task driven, like the, I'll give you a great example. Uh, and I've talked about this a little bit before on the podcast is I don't believe that uh, garbage day is an appointment that I make with the garbage. I put it in my task list so that way. I can, so I put it out the night before. But my wife puts garbage day on the calendar because that way she knows that the garbage yeah. has to go out the night before. So there's always going to be these these disconnects. But what we've been able to do is. Um, because she knows I operate that way and I know she operates the other way is she, that's one thing that she's willing to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to let, yeah, I'm going to put this on the calendar, but I know that because Mike puts it in his task list, it's going to get taken care of. And the results in, in, in that sometimes they're not, sometimes it's not verbal seeing the garbage out is, or seeing the recycling out. So is that, that's part of it too. Like not just, not just verbal communication, but wouldn't wouldn't um you know like actual physical or like does that count in 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 this oh in this absolutely well? and and I think you're going to even something deeper which is just, you're building credibility over time so it's not about that one instance right it's not about that one moment or that one report or that one day that the trash went out or not it's you've built your credibility over a series of days and weeks and months and reports and long projects so that when you get to the current project. All of everything that came before matters in that moment and gives you the credibility to move fast or people know they can count on Mike to do that. They don't have to follow up and they trust you. So a lot of people try and see a certain presentation or a certain moment at work as this culminating like make or break moment. And I like to always remind people, you don't want to create high pressure moments. You want to create a lot of low moments that build up your credibility. And so, you know, one of the challenges people get into is they try and hit a home run. Well, we know home run hitters strike out seven out of 10 times, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's about hitting singles and building that credibility up and you're going to get a lot further, a lot faster in that way. But I think, you know, that that's maybe a tangent to, to your point, but what you're really talking about is you've got to see the human beings around you and be adaptable to Everyone's different. Everyone's got a way of doing it. But if you let each other know what works for you, then everyone can get along because you're never going to work at a company where everyone it's 10 copies of Mike. You know, that would be pretty scary, right? (laughs) (laughs) It it would be more than that, I think. (laughs) I mean, sometimes I wish there was at least one more of me, if I'm totally honest. But, you know, I think 10 of me would be overbearing and I could not deal with it. So <laughs> I've, I've seen the movie multiplicity. So we know what happens. Yes, when, that's right. <laughs> the more copies <laughs> you have, the less it reliable. It seemed like a good idea. It did. It did. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, speaking of, of the small wins, the small steps, I find in, in my work and when I talk to people in, in, in the time management and productivity space is that people tend to not break things down small enough so that they can yeah. get these kind of updates happening. So they'll instead of saying so they'll hear from their their boss or their superior, like, how is that report coming? And in their mm -hmm. head, they go, oh, my God, the report. But there are many steps to the report. How important is it when people are trying to get work done for them to say, OK, let's let me break this down into smaller components so that I can provide more regular updates so that they that trust gets established and that credibility gets built. Oh, 100%. I mean, well, there's like two layers to it. You know, one is at the beginning of a project, just setting expectations of when you will check in and just saying, even when you say, hey, thanks for the project. Here's when I'm going to check in with you. You've done no work, but just by saying I'm organized, I have check-in points will calm everyone down. So it's about setting the schedule yourself and preempting people before they ask. That's a great way to start. And then what you're talking about is something I could spend a whole you know, hour talking about, which is being hyper, hyper, hyper practical in the chunks of time. And it's like, you don't set a new year's resolution. It doesn't mean anything. You say, I'm going to do this this day, or I'm going to do this within the next 48 hours. And that's why my goal of leaving work by 5 p.m. worked so well for me over 17 years. It was so hyper practical and tangible every day. I had a report card every day. And, you know, it's easy to lose sight of things like you talked about, a big project that might take a week or a month. How do you know when to give an update or not? And so you want to break it into bite-sized chunks. And my only thing, my only refrain is it doesn't matter what the bite-sized chunks are. The only thing that matters is just keep giving updates. Anytime your spider sense goes off and just goes, hey, I haven't given an update, just shoot it off and just say, hey, I talked to Mike, things are going well. And then two days later, you just say, things are, I'm still on track to hit that deadline. I don't know anyone who complains about getting too many updates or being in the loop too often. Well, and the other thing too, is that every project is going to be different and how you deal with every That's project right. is going to be different. And, and right. also who you're communicating with, like your boss right. may not want to hear, hear the, you know, oh yeah. So I've I, like the small little steps because to them that could mean like, well, those are the tiny things. I don't really care yeah. about that. I just want yeah. to know how things are going. So it's, yeah. again, it's that human component, right? Well, that's right. And you know, we're, we're talking about email, but it's also like the hallway conversation. It's mm -hmm. just, what's the reassuring and every person's going to have a different rhythm, but I just, I want to slightly disagree with, with one comment you said, which is even bosses appreciate small updates. So I just want to, I, my, my philosophy, not everyone has to agree with it, but I found that it works. There's no update that's too small because every update is just a small reassurance to even let the, no bo the boss know I'm working on it. It's on my radar. I haven't forgotten about it. So, you know, so a lot of people talk themselves out of the update by saying, well, that's not a good enough update for a vice president. And the truth is, even the sentence of, hey, things are on track or this is what I just did on this. Uh, is useful for them and for you to get credit for your work. I think I think the 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 key difference there. What I was trying to uh, illustrate was that they may not want to see the fourteen things that have been done. Oh, towards that yes, update. you're right. Yeah, no, I that's think, right. I think that, that, that's right because yeah, that can create right. to me that. And it, again, it depends on who you're dealing with. It could be it could be well, those things are like yeah, but what about this? It creates sometimes more questions, oh, yeah. right? Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. So you want to be careful even at the level of detail that you give. I'm talking about the philosophy. I see exactly right. your point. If I'm like, hey, here's the five things I've done and they're like yeah but what about the sixth one then it's like you know we've created a cycle a spin cycle versus 
Maybe I don't need to give them all of the detail. All I'm really doing in this communication is reassuring them that I'm on it, right. that I'm organized, and that they can trust me. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. We're going to take a break from the proceedings now to talk about our sponsor for this episode, Gantt Pro. Now, if you don't know what a Gantt chart is, then dig in because it's something that really can be helpful when it comes to your project management and your personal productivity and your team productivity as well. And Gantt Pro has everything that you're going to need to make your Gantt charts and timelines better than before. You can share charts easily with clients and colleagues using Gantt Pro, export Gantt charts to include them in your presentations, reports, and business plans, because what it is, is it's a simple, interactive online project management tool for people who love planning, like me, with timelines and Gantt charts. It offers a simple UI with drag and drop simplicity. So in Gantt Pro, you can create your first project in seven minutes. That's that's hardly any time at all. And the onboarding process that Gantt Pro offers and the learning curve is really short. And that's huge when it comes to using an application. I've been using Gantt Pro for a while. And believe me, I've had a hard time wrapping my head around using Gantt charts. I mean, I know that they're important, especially when I'm working on things like my book and things where where things are happening simultaneously or in tandem and there's different elements that are going on, not just within my team, but outside of my team. And having Gantt Pro as my ally has been hugely valuable. And it's really a great value for the price. I mean, Captera is a, a resource that people use to check out project management tools and task management software. And Gantt Pro ranks among the top 20 of the most affordable project management software at Captera. So again, the price is is magnificent and the tool is magnificent. It's a great fit for project management professionals and project managers and their teams. And I'm using it. I mean, I'm again, I'm this I'm the guy running the running the, the ship here. I mean, I'm not a project manager per se, but it's been a great fit for me and my team. Uh, you know, I love the fact that, you know, planning can be done simply with Gantt Pro. And there's great features such as workload and tasks, assignment, deadlines, and critical path, which I used to use a lot when I worked at the Victoria Film Festival. And there's also baseline there as well. So there's all these things that project management professionals will be into Gantt Pro has. And teams can use it for online cooperation. So you can leave comments, attach files, which is always important, send notifications and track progress and statuses. So if you are looking to get into what Gantt charts have to offer, you cannot go wrong with using Gantt Pro. In fact, you can only go right. And if you want to make it even more valuable for you to check it out, just head over to gantpro.com slash go slash timecrafting and you'll get $50 off when you sign up for Gantt Pro. So again, that's Gantt Pro, G-A-N-T-T 
gantpro.com slash go slash timecrafting, and you'll get $50 off when you sign up for Gantt Pro. Again, uh, Gantt charts are a fundamental component of team project management. And it's something I've been exploring more and more as I work with corporate clients. And Gantt Pro is allowing me to really wrap my head around it and get the most out of my Gantt charts. You know, it, it's it's a no-brainer. So check out Gantt Pro today. And again, all you need to do is visit gantpro.com slash timecrafting. That's G-A-N-T-T-Pro.com slash timecrafting. And you'll get $50 off automatically when you sign up for Gantt Pro. I'd like to thank Gantt Pro for sponsoring this episode of the Productivityist Podcast. Now let's get back to the show. Now here's here's a, a a quick question that might I don't know how how uh, how much it's not really a sidebar but okay so one of the things that that when I'm working with people and and I think that obviously you come across this as well is what if you're so far ahead that the fear of and this is a fear of getting more work thrust upon you is 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 a real uh, real positive like it, it's possible it's possible so for example um, whenever I'm working with someone. And they get far enough ahead. I'm like, well, it's okay to be far enough ahead, but you may not want to hand in that project two weeks or three weeks early, because then all of a sudden you may end up with another project that is going to take away from the other three projects that you're working on. So cadence, I think, is important in that respect. What would you say to that? Like, what, what do yeah, you think, I think about that? I think that's so fascinating. I, I um, you know, because you're kind of like playing the game. You're like gaming the system a little bit in that mm-hmm. regard. And, and I think it would depend on the individual. It would depend on what are they after. Because, you know, I think if there's individuals, if your goal is to get promoted or get a raise or get to that next title, whatever the case may be, there may be a case for, you know, really overshooting the market and taking on more work and doing those pieces because you can move that much further faster. There might also be a case for, um, you know, understanding, are you doing one thing really well, but are you spending too much time on something else? So it's worth like exploring that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not probably someone who's like calibrating, like I don't want to take on more work. Hopefully what I'm able to do with that is kind of control the conversation. And this might be a, a, a useful piece of it. I would want to control the, the conversation to be like, what aspect of this do I want to take on? Is there something in my job I want more responsibility? So rather than letting a boss or a coworker fill that extra time with another project, how do I proactively demonstrate, hey, I've got a little bit of extra time. Here's something I'd like to take on. Here's something that's interesting to me. Here's something I can add value to. And that way you're going after the things that you're more passionate about rather than just more files stacking up on your desk. I don't know. Does that does that relate to kind of what you're talking it, it about? It does. And I think the other thing is to keep in mind that whoever's assigned this stuff to you probably has no idea of all the things they've assigned to you either. They've got the, their other that, stuff. That's exactly right. And, you know, one of my, like, philosophies like that is just at the core of everything is you can't be good at your job if you don't have a one-to-one weekly meeting with your boss. And that's a meeting that you own, you drive the agenda, you use to give your boss updates on what you're working on and to get approvals and answers that you need. That's different than a drive-by hallway conversation. You need a 30-minute standing meeting with your boss, no matter what level you're at, just to have that FaceTime and to get credit for all the work you're doing. Because like you said, the boss may have forgotten all the things you're working on. So the more you can be controlling the narrative, reminding them all the things you're doing, reminding them, giving visibility to the good work, 
that's going to go a long way towards this whole thing that people have about getting credit for the work they're doing. So the other thing that that ties into this is the fact that if you want to control it, then, you know, one of the things that might be your boundary, like it's been yours, is 5 p.m. I'm out. Okay, yeah. so so I have to ask, you've written a slew of books. You're done at 5 p.m. Uh, how much time fraud is going on? Behind how much when are you writing these books? Because in my <laughs> mind, it's like when I, you know, when I was leaving my day job and I was working online, I'm like, OK, let me carve out some time during my breaks and stuff to try to get this thing yeah. to happen or work weekends. I, I'm a productivity strategist like that was my they call me the productivityist. like my job yeah. is to find margin. Um, there was no margin to be found. How did you do it? How and how do you continue to do it? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I'm going to admit a couple things here. I'm, I'm not sure if my former employees or employers are listening or not. But, um, you know, being so efficient, one of the things I didn't mention, yeah, I leave at 5 p.m. One of the things I didn't mention is I get to work at 7 in the morning or mm. 6.30 in the morning. So I trade afternoon hours for morning hours because no one's ever invited me to hang out or have a beer at six in the morning. So I, I just figured that's free time. I might as well use it for work. And so what I mean by that is those morning hours, I'm hyper, hyper productive. I get ahead of the work. And then depending on different points in my career, some jobs have been so easy, Mike, or I've been so far ahead. You talked about your two weeks ahead on things. Sometimes what I do is I go into work, get the work done for the job. And then I go grab a coffee and I go sit somewhere for an hour. And I actually write the book for an hour around nine in the morning. Everyone else is just getting to the office, catching up. I've already sent out all my emails. I've gotten ahead of the day. And I, that's like a very productive hour for me from nine to 10. And so that might be an hour where three days a week I'm working on the book. Now that's a scary thing for me to admit. I'm not going to say which brands I did that at, but that <laughs> was part of it. And then the other part for me is, you know, uh, I, by leaving at five o'clock, I was able to kind of in my brain, turn off the, work job part of my brain and say, I have a whole second part of my day and energy to contribute and do other things. And sometimes that was a hobby. Sometimes that was seeing friends. Or sometimes if I was in a certain phase, I don't know whether it's manic or not, where I was like, I'm passionate about writing right now, I would say for a month or two months, I would go home every day and try and power through an hour of writing a day because you know you only have so much of that concentration time right. but i could get a get a you know refresh maybe exercise write for an hour and then meet up with friends when they're leaving the office so you know it's just about finding those windows and and of course like world the world ebbs and flows sometimes you're really busy and you just got to give yourself to work and sometimes you know that you're in a lull and that's the time to pick up the hobby work on that thing you haven't worked on take time for yourself, whatever the case may be. So, so it's a balance, but there's some secret hours here and there. Well, and, and here's the other thing is that as you talked about this, the idea that if you're over communicating and let's say you're going to, you're, you're, let's say you get in early. So let's talk to people out there right now who are trying to, you know, do something on the side or whatever, or, or they're yeah. the, the idea that if they get in the office two hours before everybody else, and they're hyper productive during those two hours, they're doing all the things that everybody else would do when they get there from yeah. nine to 11. If you're over communicative, if you are doing this, then you're going to be able to say to, you know, your your colleagues, your superiors, hey, I'm stepping out for a coffee. If you need me, just I'm 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 a block away. Just text me. I just need some. Well, and well, and, and that, again, that credibility, yeah. if you've built that, then that's going to be go. Yeah. You're going to be able to do that versus because I think that, 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 you know, you said that, you know, um, 
it happened during those hours, but you got the work done. So in my mind, uh, what does it matter now? The, the, that's go ahead, right. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. That, that's right. I, and, and, you know, like, it's kind of like, I, I don't like to say it cause I don't want to say like, Hey, everyone should cheat at work and do all these different no, cause things. Time like, fr- cause it's called time fraud. If the company takes it seriously, right? Like they, yeah, no. yeah some companies right. go, you're not, you're supposed to be here from nine to five. Anything between nine and five, anything you create between nine and five is art. Like the, you have to be very no, careful, Mike, right? Mike, you're you're right. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm not going into too, too much detail, but sure. I'm just like mentioning some of the, the edges I've walked on. But, you know, the thing I would also in, in, uh, inspire in people is if you've got something you want to work on, set the expectations. And, and it's OK to go to your boss or your team and just say, hey, I, uh, you know, starting, you know, whatever in January, I want to start leaving work on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at five o'clock because I want to just like spend a little bit more time with my family or I want to work on a hobby and I just want to figure it out. I'm going to get all the work done, but on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I'm going to leave at 5 p.m. And it's all about setting expectations like you talked about setting intention. And then also Oprah Winfrey said this. She said, you teach people how you want to be treated. And Mm -hmm. so if you teach people that I'm going to leave these two days then that's okay because they know you're going to leave those days. And actually, they'll encourage you. They'll be like, aren't you leaving today at 5 o'clock? We'll get to it tomorrow. And just start with a low bar. Give yourself one day where you leave early. Just be like, Wednesdays, I'm going to leave at 5. That's my new thing for the month of December. And that gives you time to practice and see what it's like to leave early and to work on something else and find out if that's a good rhythm for you. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I don't want to get into, like, steal <laughs> from the world all the time. Like, that was, that was an extreme example of getting ahead, but there's lots of different formulas that you can use and just start with one thing and then build from there. It doesn't have to be, I'm never working past 5 p.m. ever again as long as I live. Just start with one day yeah. and see how it goes. Yeah, I think a lot of people, what they do is they try to tend to do it all at once. I see that with time management yeah. techniques all the time. They go, oh, I'm going to adopt this time management philosophy. I'm like, no, no, yeah. no, pick one piece, start there because yeah. you're a human being. And, and also remember, if you're going to do something like this, you can't if, if you've been performing poorly at your job, do not go and ask for this kind of thing right now. You can't do that. You have to actually have built like you talked about that credibility that and this is a great way to start because after all, you know, Justin's written the book, How to Be Great at Your Job. So read the book and then start to apply some of this stuff. Justin, this yeah, is it's it. really yeah. not that hard. I love what you're saying, Mike, and I know we're on the outro, but it's like my point about the book, and for anyone, the best thing about the book is it only takes an hour to read. So for, for people out there, that's one of its chief attributes, but it's not that hard to be good at your job. Let go of the noise, let go of the concerns, let go of the politics, and just get a few things right. Get to work early, use bullet points, and over-communicate like crazy. And I promise your life is going to be better. Justin, this has been a fantastic conversation. We could keep going. I got the coffee yeah, sitting here. I'm sitting in the lounge chair, but we've got uh, <laughs> we've we've got we got to be great at our job, and this is this is the boundary that we're setting. So, Justin, where can people pick up the book, and where else can people find out more about you? I know you got a podcast too. So, yeah, sure yeah. That. So, so uh, my my latest book, How to Be Great at Your Job, is available at bookstores nationwide. It's on Amazon. If you want to know anything about me, you go to mrcorpo.com. You can see me on Instagram at mrcorpo. Um, you can buy all the books there. You can check out my podcast, Mr. Corpo. And those are the best ways to stay connected. And, uh, you know, hopefully people will reach out, check me out. And uh, it was really fun talking to you, Mike. One last thing. You're a beekeeper? I'm a beekeeper. So work got bored. And I thought, you know, I'm a little bit stale. It's a slow period at work. And I, you know, part 
but it's like building a brand. I was like, I got to do something new. And so I picked up the hobby of beekeeping. You literally take an hour class and they hand you a shoebox full of bees and you drive home, in my case, in a PT cruiser with a thousand bees in a in a shoebox, <laughs> the most nervous drive of your entire life. And then you install them on your roof and then voila, you're a beekeeper. And I, I actually wrote a book about that called A Survival Guide to Urban Beekeeping. So um, that's another one out there. But I recommend it as a hobby for everyone. Very, very fun. Wow. You get free honey. See, there you go. So even more to dig into. He's not just about being great at a job. He's be great at beekeeping, be great at all this That's, stuff. Why not? <laughs> Justin, thanks for joining me today. All right. Thanks, Mike. And that's all she wrote. Thanks so much for Justin Kerr for joining me on the podcast today. You can learn about all the things we discussed, the highlights, the takeaways, all the links and everything that's relevant to this episode in the show notes and and keep up with what uh, Justin is doing. Everything's in there. So check that out. Big thanks to Connie for putting together the show notes. Big thanks to John Polster for producing this episode as always. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for joining me. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivity is Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.